Good morning, everyone. Welcome back. Today, we talk about innovation within the real estate business. I have another great persona for you, another interesting story. Mateusz Romanowski, who is the founder of Sonar Home, he is today with us and I'll try to pick up his brain a bit for you guys. It is a very interesting one because Mateusz is a very experienced entrepreneur. He managed to create a company that was sold to one of the biggest media companies in Poland. Some time ago then he was involved in a very interesting project which is called Brainly and you probably heard about it. And now he's creating a very interesting eye-buying service which is a bit of a novelty in the Polish market. Please make sure to subscribe to the channels. Please make sure to leave some comments. I would really appreciate some feedback. Share this episode with your friends and colleagues. I'm doing this for you guys so you can benefit from all the information and all the insights from great entrepreneurs uh, from Poland. Have a great day and stay tuned. Welcome to Venture Poland podcast. My name is Daniel Czachorowski and my goal is to promote Poland as a great partner for any business venture, especially when it comes to technology. In my podcast, I interview Polish entrepreneurs, startup founders, managers and engineers, so we can all learn from them. Enjoy today's episode. Mateusz, thank you very much for coming to the show today. It's great that we've managed to find some time together. And although the situation outside is still quite uncertain, founders and entrepreneurs just keep themselves busy, I guess. So I'm grateful for your time today. Hi, how is it going? No, the pleasure is mine. Uh, I'm, I'm well, thank you. Uh, so... Yeah, let's get started. Brilliant. Okay, uh, give us a 60-second pitch on your baby on uh, Sonar Home, please. So Sonar Home is the place um, and the service to change how the people uh, sell and buy their properties, uh, and especially their apartments. Um, we have two main services. So first is so-called iBuying, where we purchase your property from uh, from you and you know get all the convenience and speed and, and safety that you need. On the other hand, we get a digital brokerage uh, where we um, help you maximize the price uh, using our uh, strategy and technology and experience to um, sell your property um, at the best price in reasonable time. Mm, okay, brilliant. That's a very good pitch. Uh, it seems like you know what you're doing. Before we start about the Sonar Home uh, and uh, before we just you know jump into some more details of this uh, business, I would like to ask about your past experiences. And I have seen on LinkedIn that you've been involved in Brainly, which is a very interesting brand and, and a very interesting company. And uh, also, I don't know why, but I have completely missed out on this one, that you have founded another company in the uh, Krakow some time ago, Alani, uh, and it was actually sold with an exit. So that's that's great. So uh, could you just uh, maybe split the uh, story between the two and uh, just give us some interesting insights on what did you learn back then? Sure. Um, so um, just to give you the full context, um, I've started my interest in the online world, maybe before online businesses. Uh, it was back to the school time. Um, 
um, when uh, still being in high school, I started creating the websites um, related to education uh, to help me with the with, um, you know with learning and preparing for the exams. And afterwards, uh, after graduating from my master's studies, I've realized that um, the um, online fashion industry is. Uh, is changing and that the change is accelerating. That was um, mainly um, facilitated by the entrance of Zalando to the Polish market. Complete uh, game-changing experience with the returns and, and the quality and everything. And uh, you know, having the experience from these community websites, content websites, and uh, having seen that uh, you know people are asking lots of questions uh, related to um, buying uh, buying fashion and fashion inspirations, uh, we've decided to. Uh, to create a community for fashionista that turns into the marketplace or aggregator of the best products that you can find online and, and buy in a Polish uh, e-commerce uh, scene. So basically, um, Alani um, was founded initially as an inspiration place and then turned into the inspiration for the shopping place. Uh, where we aggregated the the, the, the products and uh, sent the traffic there, um, uh, we founded the company in um, 2012. And then a year um, later, um, uh, two VCs invested in us, uh, and uh, year afterwards, uh, we've uh, merged with the money with our competitor that was um, you know uh, a little bit. Um, uh, bigger than us um, and we've sold both businesses to Virtualna Polska, the, the biggest Polish media, online media group. Um, so that was the, the, the first part of the story. Then, um, you know, having exited from uh, from Alani, having returned good returns for the VCs and angels and, um, uh, and now also having the non-competes and, and uh, limitations, what I can do. Next, um, I've decided to um, Join Brainy, um, that I used to be an early investor in, and um, and these guys uh, were um, you know really uh, super great on expanding worldwide with their content creation and and uh, um, the the access to the people that um, uh, that are learning. At the same time, uh, we had this challenge to monetize the traffic more efficiently than just running ads and. Uh, we've been working on the paid product uh, strategy uh, in Poland and in the US, um, which is called Brainly Plus. Uh, um, that uh, was based, that is based actually on, on the verified content and um, annual subscription. Um, and specifically, I've been working um, very close with the guys who had uh, tremendous experience, previous experience before they joined Brainly. Um, at Trulia and Zillow, so the leading real estate portals in the US. And, um, uh, you know, like uh, real estate or prop tech was on, a, on, a, on my kind of short list what to do next, but it wasn't a, on the top one, probably initially. But having these inspirations and, you know, knowledge and, um, uh, and suggestions what to do paired with my own experience and uh, being a consumer on. Uh, on a Polish market as a either seller or, or buyer, I realized that you know that something needs to be done to actually radically change the experience uh, for the consumers in Poland. So we started with what actually Zillow started uh, you know, 15 years ago already, I guess, 
uh, with uh, they call it Zestimate. Um, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of tool for um, learning what's your property worth. So we've decided to build proprietary technology to understand the property prices, uh, specifically apartments in Warsaw, and to give this knowledge for free to users. Um, so um, initially, we, we got really tremendous um, uh, interest in that. That was the first service that was, uh, you know, giving the reliable quality um, online valuation for free. Um, so we, we, we saw lots of people coming and then seeing and checking. At the same time, we've uh, started to test different business models. Um, uh, we didn't want to... Um, uh, uh, Build uh, the paid product. Um, we, we just don't don't think it's it's um, it's the best strategy in this product. Uh, so uh, initially, we've tested just connecting the prospective sellers with the brokers, um, but we didn't find it like really game changing for the consumers for the markets. Um, so what we observed in the U.S. and in in Western Europe. Um, um, like two years ago was um, uh, really uh, quite a big hype on the so-called iBuying or on you know, using the um, technology uh, connected with the access to broad uh, debt capital to actually um, make the investments and make the flips or you know, purchases uh, in the purpose of reselling these properties at scale, at low margins with lots of capital and with the efficiency of scale. Um, so um, we've secured some some initial debt um, in in parallel to the the equity that we raised um, for the technology company started buying these properties. Um, it was two years ago and um, almost two years ago. So after several months, um, you know, we got the, the the first wave of COVID that actually you know, somehow shaken the market and, and kind of um, uh, validated the business model. Um, so we um, uh, we knew that you know some some of the um, changes of the market dynamics would come someday, but we didn't expect that it would be too fast, so fast. However, um, you know we've decided to um, build up quickly the second revenue stream, which is um, you know selling your property on a on the free market and um, and uh, you know helping you to do that efficiently, based on the technology and the products that that we've built on our own software that would first tell you what's your uh, property value, but on the other hand, what are the possible strategies based on the liquidity and competitive analysis. Um, and uh, a kind of more deep understanding of the market and adjusting the proper strategy uh, to specific um, customer and, and, and their specific properties uh, in, the, in, the, in, the most, uh, in the best optimal way. And the, you know, the objective is to make sure that everybody that wants to sell their property, that they have enough knowledge, enough optionalities, and enough services to actually complete that transaction in, in the most optimal uh, way to them. Okay, understood. So you actually already mentioned quite a few things about uh, Sonar Home. I, I would like to maybe slow down a bit and ask you, what is the actual structure of the company in terms of uh, the team, the roles, your responsibility maybe as of today? So yeah, just just uh, give us some more words about it. Yeah, so right now we are over thirty people, um, and mm -hmm. around half of them are operations. Uh, around thirty percent are on uh, technology, and the remaining parts are, you know, marketing, finance, and support stuff. 
so um, yeah, we are like. I, I would say that our DNA is technology, and um, you know it's online product, and we're we're uh, you know marketing-driven technology consumer-facing company that exists in the real estate market. Obviously, to to, uh, to, um, to provide a great experience for the transaction of the you know real stuff or real estate, you need to have uh, you know operational people, especially if you want to change the product that you are selling. Yeah. We're buying inherited properties and you know properties with that need some some renovation or staging or, or lifting. So basically, we need to hire architects, uh, you know, people that supports administrative processes and and also um, buying and sales representatives, of course, uh, to make sure that uh, we we have uh, we we have both great product um, like a real product. Um, apartments and the real experience and all the technology and the product, online product uh, about that that you know, have helped selling this or buying these real products efficiently. Okay, so uh, it's, it's actually quite interesting. Yeah. I was I was thinking in the meantime about this uh, when you were answering the question. It seems to me, and actually, I mean, my business is also uh, some kind of example of this uh, notion that uh, we don't really need innovation per se, that it is something completely new. What needs innovation is uh, all the obsolete ways of doing things. And this is what you pretty much do here. You just take the burden of the person who would like to sell the uh, apartment. And I think, I, I don't know, what, what's your view on that? I think it, it is actually much easier to do than just to come up with something new, like for example, Elon Musk is doing. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Elon Musk is also um, evolving Tesla. And then, anyways, um, yeah, I, I think that there's like two levels of innovation. So one is like, as you said, creating something, new, and the, the second level is um, is uh, improving and then eliminating problems with the existing processes, just making the existing processes better. So, so I would say that um, on the perception of sellers, first uh, the valuation engine, so you, that you can you can uh, quite precisely um, estimate the price in a Polish market is actually completely new. I mean, there used to be some products that you needed to pay or or that wasn't enough quality, but like the mass product for free is a completely new thing. On the other hand, selling the property uh, with a good agent that um, you know optimize your process, etc. It, it's been you know on the market. It doesn't really uh, you know um, uh, it's not a game changing experience um, at first glance. Um, it's it's a different story with the iBank, where you know if we are saying that hey we are not an agent, we are actually buying your property as a company. This is in Poland, so people like you know like. Lots of people really didn't believe it. They were like, okay, but you you are an agent, right? You're not buying this property. No, we are buying. We don't take the commission when we're buying. Really? So so that's that's a you know kind of frequent communication. Maybe that's just the perception of the of the customers. Maybe that's not really, you know, um earthquaking um uh, discovery. It's uh, but anyways, uh, you know, like um I, I think it's a mix of of, of like just something really new, really new technology to that enables new ways of doing something, versus you know optimizing the existing process and eliminating the burdens, as you said. So, for example, you know some, sometimes you just don't need to do physical meetings, which which we actually you know everybody of us uh, 
can confirm during the COVID uh, times, right? That that it just uh, you know the, the needs of uh, physical um, uh, meetings is more emotional than rational. Um, on the other hand. Um, and sometimes you, you you need to do that personally um, to make sure that, that the process is smooth and that you um, you verify all the details of the property you, you sign the deal where so 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 you know there are some parts that you can really um, revolutionize where all the others are just the tiny details that that you need to improve and make sure that that the whole process is as smooth as as it can be in the in the current reality so for, for the matter we cannot eliminate the physical meetings at the notary at the very end of the transaction because just 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 a, you know just a thing that in the current legislation you cannot change however you can do everything else uh, probably um um virtually um or maybe just one meeting that to inspect the property um and that that was like before it wasn't um really taken into the consideration um right now it's it's kind of uh, you know accelerated by the, all the you know virtual um uh, virtual artwork and and then meetings in everyday life due to the pandemics but at the same time with, with the with real estate i think the technology that we've uh, created and um shared with the consumers uh, also helped to understand you know what's what's what are what, what is the process what is the market what are the factors that determine the price etc etc sure sure Okay, uh, I would like to ask you about uh, one thing that you have mentioned already, which is you have split the team in certain groups. And it seems to me like the tech team is relatively small in comparison to the rest of the um, company, let's say, which is uh, good in my opinion. But I would like you to explain why it is uh, so important to have great uh, customer experience and customer uh, support because this is what you ultimately do and you know some of the things could be done online as you just said but uh, still the, the the human touch here is you know it's it's very important especially when you buy and sell properties so how would you refer maybe to other companies so they pay more attention to this aspect yeah, so I think it depends on the business model and the industry that you're in. So basically, if you're a consumer-faced company and um, you handle all the complex process that uh, that is it's primarily the physical process, such as re- selling the, the real estate, then basically um, you just need to do lots of operational things. So you need, to, uh, you need to have an operational staff, even though you can optimize some processes and automate some 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 things. Um, let's let's compare two business models. So one business model is that you just provide the analytics. You, do, you just provide the, the you know online reports, uh, valuations, competitive analysis, and and stuff like that. You're just pure software company. Then you don't need to hire many um, you know operational staff and, and customer support or whatever. Um, maybe maybe some B two B sales reps um, just to make sure that you know you, you get the customer onboarded in the software, etc. Uh, on the other hand, when you, when you do as we do the the end to end process of you know evaluating and helping with the strategy and then preparing the property and marketing the property, um, uh, and the inspections or the and the meetings and, and then closing the transactions, um, then you just need to go outside of the online world 
and, and go into the physical world, but still having the connections to the online world and then the technology that, that was built, but still you need people to, to, to do the, the, the actual work and, and in the real world, right? So um, I'll say that it's just, uh, just the thing that it's um, how our business model and how our value proposition is constructed. If you compare um, us to the, um, like Sonar Home to my previous company, Alani, that, that the split was completely different. You know, in, in Alani, uh, the technology was uh, at least half of the people, I would say. Uh, the marketing team there was strong as well. Uh, but, uh, there was, frankly, almost no operational people um, uh, back, to the, back to the previous company. Here is just a different business model, different, different industry, and a different value proposition. Sure, sure. Right, so it has to be very well aligned to uh, what you do, what you sell, and what you try to accomplish. I still think that quite a few strictly tech companies, uh, they they really forget about the operational stuff and customer support and marketing. When I talk to companies, it's like, yeah, we know that we have to have them, but it's not that easy, or maybe we much prefer to... Uh, just uh, make our product better. That's why we need more uh, software programmers or something. So I really appreciate your feedback here because I, well, I'm on the same side basically, but I still think that uh, quite a few companies, especially startups, they they make this mistake that they just overlook uh, those aspects. So yeah, I don't know if you're uh, if you have experienced the same, but that's that's my that's my uh, feeling. Here. Yeah, I mean, from the customer perspective, the, the experience with the pure technology uh, companies, especially if they're like consumer faced up and you don't have the real uh, human support, might be frustrating as you know, the AI or the automation sometimes doesn't work and then you just have no one that you can talk to, even if a premium customer, which is frustrating. Um, on the other hand, you know, the better the product is and the, the more automated product is, in fact, there is uh, less of a need for thorough customer support. So, if there, there's, if, if something can be automated and can be done really well, and uh, it, you know, it, it brings uh, um, uh, the consultation to the better level, or just save time, or whatever, I'm, I'm totally for it. But at the same time, uh, you know, we need to be cautious that um, sometimes, especially with the products or the processes that are not the same. For example, in the real estate, you know, like every property is different. Every like, I'm not thinking about the architecture or the technical stuff only, but even the the, the legal uh, issues are totally different in every case. So here, you just can't automate. On the other hand, if you are doing like really basic stuff, like you know, payment collection or something, then it's probably um, uh, something that you need to automate and uh, and get only the customer support if something goes sure. really badly. Sure. All right, let's uh, switch the tone uh, a bit now. Let's talk about money. How do you finance the apartments as of today? And uh, has it changed since the pre-seed or a VC round? Could you just maybe merge the two uh, topics here in, in, uh, in a bit of a story for us so we understand what's the situation? Because if we look at the mm, website, we see around 30, 40 apartments in Warsaw, which is probably around 20 million in frozen cash for you guys. So I would like to understand how it goes and how it started maybe. 
Yeah, so um, sure. Um, there are like two financing streams. So one is the um, uh, VC money or the angels money for to finance the technology company or the mother company um, that um, you know builds the product and and uh, does the marketing and uh, and set up all the you know infrastructure and framework for. Um, for uh, all the all the services, and there's um, the SPV for um, dedicated company that that uh, flips the property and uses the software of the of the mother company, um, and and basically you know for the technology company we we are doing this we, we did this pre-seed round uh, which recently um, uh, did this, this seed round that we haven't announced yet, and um, in in, th in terms of the, the 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 real estate operations we got totally separate uh, source of capital, it's um, it's mainly from the you know wealthy individuals um, that. Um, that wants to put some, some money in, in the real estate specifically uh, and yeah and that's that's um that's uh, based on on the debt or venture debt at the same time uh if you look at the properties that we have in our portfolio or that we have in our website it's not only uh, properties that are owned by us but because as, as i said we have these two revenue streams apart from the bank we have the digital brokerage model that we just sell the properties of our customers uh, acting as a digital agent for them okay understood so your goal i would assume is to finance all the purchases on your own and that would be the ultimate way of uh, doing business because you have the leverage then how do you plan to scale here? I mean, there's like uh, you know advantages and disadvantages of that. Obviously, the the biggest advantage is that if you, if you if you can finance and if you can buy the property from the from the seller and then resell it, you can do everything. You can control the the quality of the uh, apartment. You can do the fit out or staging, however you call it. Uh, you you can you can provide the best experience. You can sell add-ons or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, uh, to make it profitable, you need to buy it at a discount and you need to. To buy it uh, uh, only in, uh, within the specific um, uh, segments, uh, segments that are liquid enough. So you know properties that are considerably good locations that are uh, not odd or uh, you know too big or whatever. So um, you know the i buying is great in terms of the uh, you know the, the experience and the, the game changing uh, process. But at the same time, it's not not for everyone. So, um, so we believe that uh, you know the the digital brokerage or hybrid brokerage, as we probably should call it, um, is actually for um, for the bigger segments. It's not as you know as sexy as the iBank. Uh, however, um, it's it's usually more suitable actually for the for the bigger groups of uh, of sellers. To be honest. Okay, understood. So, uh, so how do you plan to scale then from from today? Yeah, so basically, I buying uh, for for scaling, I buying. You just need to secure more debt, and that we are in the process of. And you know, we get a good track record. We get a good interest from the investors, um, and actually, the you know the interest rates going down help us to to secure it at reasonable cost as well. Uh, at the same time, with the with the brokerage, um, we want to make sure that uh, users understand that the the typical offline agent versus the hybrid or the digital agents that, uh, that that we are providing with is completely different process different efficiency in terms of the speed and the price maximization but also the understanding the process so um what we uh, what we want to show to consumers is that we actually understand the market understand the, all the issues and we can craft you as a prospective seller the best strategy to, to sell your property 
so for that, we need to develop the technology. We need to develop the product around the technology, explaining you know why why we believe that uh, something is in the market. So, for example, what what are the factors determining the price? What are the you know dynamics of the market within the specific segment of uh, you know property similar to your own property? So we want to scale that. We want to distribute to everybody who's like even slightly considering selling. We don't need to you know uh, accrue any cost of sending these reports. Um, to to anyone, so we wanna you know um, um, distribute it to as many people as we can, and then if they're ready, if, if they if they they are up to make the final decision to sell their property, we are here to help them to uh, to optimize the the, the 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 strategy for them. So um, just to answer directly on the question, um, the the scaling is. Uh, First is the, the uh, working on a technology and a product. Secondly, is securing the uh, that capital for their bank. And third is to scale our organization within the brokerage leg. Sure, sure, okay. It seems like it's a very well thought plan, and uh, you've got it nailed. So I'll just keep my fingers crossed. Hopefully, you're gonna reach out to other cities as well. Not just uh, Warsaw. That'll be. That would be great. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So so far, we've decided to focus solely on Warsaw to make sure that we have, we have uh, you know great processes. We've we've did initial tests um, in, um, in 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 Gdańsk uh, and in in Gdynia and and Wrocław. We've decided that it's too early. Um, you know, we just need to make sure that uh, we master the process uh, in Warsaw, and then hopefully in a year or two we'll think about the other cities as well. So um, how does it compare your report uh, with a formal appraisal report? How does it work then? Because the appraisal documentation is a very chunky piece of uh, work and it contains quite a few information and it's not free. And now you come in and you've got the same amount of information for free. Something's not right here. Uh, I mean, you know... uh, the, the the appraisal is a formal document. So it mm. needs certain um, you know experience, qualification, certification for for someone to to do this to the process. And um, uh, it, I think it's just just a different service for different. Needs. It needs to be done manually. It requires the physical inspection inspection of the property. Obviously, there are some similarities. Um, uh, both the appraisals and our software uh, uses the transactional database that we uh, we buy from the government. And but at the same time, we uh, we also use the data from multiple other sources, um, including the the current uh, listings that are publicly available online and sources that users provided us the information with for the you know other other sources that we could find and aggregate. Uh, on our side, there's also lots of cleaning processes. So basically, um, you know, if you look at the transactional database or the listings on the market, there's lots of mess, lots of uh, missing information or or duplicates or false information. Whatever, like you know, there's lots of lots of things to be in, uh, that you need to take take care and, and go through that. And uh, we try to do that at scale and make sure that we train the algorithms to actually clean that themselves. However, it still needs um, lots of human input uh, in the very beginning to, to, to train those audience. Um But I think that the key uh, in our report is that we are trying to understand the, the current market value, not only based on the past transactions that happened you know, 
multiple months ago or in the last year or, or whatever, but also to understand the, 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 the you know the, the current ecosystems who has who is on the market, who's been recently on the market, even if there's no transaction data. For the for the data points, we try to understand um, what what can it be, and there, there's some kind of guesstimates, obviously, because the listing price, especially if the, the, the listing um, is is um, is online for multiple months, then it doesn't mean anything, right? It just means that some a seller just wants to sell a property for that price, but it doesn't need mean that um, there's a buyer willing to pay for that. Um, obviously, if, if you can see at that the bigger number that you know that there's been a number of listings at specific prices that are not not on the market anymore, that probably they were sold, they probably were sold at similar uh, price to the the last asking price. So there's lots of guessing, but on the on big numbers, and if you uh, incorporate science, uh, statistics, and 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 algorithms, it actually gives you really much better picture than. And then what you can do by analyzing it uh, manually. At the same time, we can see that you know it works only well if you have enough uh, of the good quality data. So it's only well in a specific segment, in specific locations. So it's a lot of work for us ahead um, uh, to make sure that it's capable um, enough to to also work uh, work on the um, more niche segments, uh, more frequent, less frequent locations, and, and and stuff like that. When you know we are we are we are we are doing that, we are we are validating and we are gradually expanding. Brilliant, brilliant. Thanks. I would like to come back to money for one more uh, thing. How would you suggest startups to approach uh, investors? I mean, okay, it's a cliche question, but just talking to you, it seems like you've got quite a lot of experience in, in this specific field. Uh, you're collecting uh, VC debt as well, which is probably not something very common in Poland. I don't know, maybe. So, yeah, I would like to just pick your brain here and understand a bit more. Yeah, so I think there's two, like two factors uh, in general. So one is credibility. Uh, that mean it, 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 it can be your personal credibility if you have like the direct connections and history working with you know specific people etc or it can be a track track record of your existing business if if you even if you don't have your connections you, you can show that you built something that you know it's uh, it's um, sustainable and it's growing wherever so this is one thing and the second thing is the potential so so um, basically you know VCs only invest in the products that have uh, Potential that is uh, big enough for them to balance the, the risk uh, versus the future returns. So you know the market needs to be big enough, and you you should have an edge actually to to win this market. So you know obviously that sounds simple and um, incredibly difficult. Um, even if you're uh, launching uh, you know yet another business, then you just um, come to the conclusion that you don't know nothing that uh, it's not gonna happen that you know it's like there's, there's lots of question marks and lots of dogs on the way. At the same time, um, you know, you just need to think about these two things uh, and, and come back to them if you want to raise the money from, from the venture capital. Actually, Mateusz, I really liked your uh, answer here because you have mentioned credibility. And in order to showcase something to the investor, to your potential partner in future, you have to have something on your plate. And it's not just the business or the idea. 
you have been doing something for last five or ten years and uh, what was that and how did you manage to you know help out maybe your previous company or maybe you have built something so i think credibility is extremely important and well we work on our credibility our whole life so if you have this uh, proven track record then it's much easier to even reach out to investors i think that's that's the main point that we could uh, make here yeah i mean if you, even if you're a first entrepreneur and you've been working um you know for someone else but uh, you you have a reputation of a fighter of you know of someone who's you know taking ownership and willing to take the risk and uh, do whatever it needs to get stuff done uh, then that's that's like great first step right so um so obviously running uh, your own company is a little different than just being uh, you know in in an external organization um, and uh, even if you have uh, you know good experience in one field then you can fail at another but still you know you just need to be fighter you just need to not to give up too quickly and you, you need to fill the ownership and that's that's easy to tell actually yeah well it's much much more difficult to accomplish okay let's talk about the housing market in poland for a moment if COVID didn't shake the market what else can and i'm asking specifically because of me i'm very selfish here i'm planning to buy a house and uh, everything is just going up like crazy so the prices are just so high and uh, the the market is bullish uh, what would need to happen to reverse the trend, Mateusz? Well, I, I don't expect the trend to be reversed. Okay, in, thank you. <laughs> in the long term, so if you can buy your property, I, I think that's, um, you know, it's the right moment, obviously, if you have the, the financial situation that, that allows that. On the other hand, so just, just maybe uh, let's start with the thing that you mentioned in the thesis that um, uh, COVID didn't shake the market. I, I disagree with this step, statement. I believe that it's shaken the market. It just that didn't um, you know change the the trend of the prices that much. So uh, why why would, uh, why I believe that it, it has shaken? Uh, we've and uh, we, we've we've seen that that basically the number of transactions uh, fell down to so low levels in the uh, you know in, in the in the second quarter of last year. That uh, that's probably you know I don't remember the times um, before of like you know so few customers willing to buy the, the properties and even sell them, so so uh, the liquidity of the market um, dropped significantly while the prices um, so we saw that, that there was some little of correction in the first months like one two three percent. Uh, but at the same time, all the decisions that um, you know central banks made, made um, but also the government with the you know public aid. But I think that the, the, the biggest impact, especially medium term, are the interest rates. So and, and we can actually see that you know the, the majority of our customers right now are people who have cash and that they just want to allocate their, their their savings somewhere. Uh, so that's that's the first thing. Secondly, is that you know there, there was a shake um, in, in the mortgage. So you know the ba the banks were uh, actually you know, increasing the the hurdle for um, to to get the mortgage. You needed to the down, to have the down payment twenty or even thirty percent as a minimum. And some of the you know professions or type of constructs were excluded. Right now they go down again to the ten percent and expand their uh, their their credit activities. So that again uh, again uh, uh, increases the the demand. On the supply side, if you have a property. 
then um, then basically if you sell this property and have cash, what you can do with the cash? So so that's that's actually the thing that um, discourage. Uh, some of the sellers actually to to go into the market and there's a shortage of, of supply that you can see very clearly in the US in, and in some markets in, in Western Europe, but also um, also you can start seeing that in Poland. I would say that the rental market is a, another factor that is kind of contrary to what I said. So basically, you know, if previously, if you have excess of cash and wanted to invest in the property, you would do that because of the yields from the rentals. Right now, the, the the rental yields are going down quite heavily. You know, there's a number of factors. Um, obviously, one of them is the, the the remote education on the in the colleges and, and, and universities, but also uh, you know like less of the migration of the people because of the closed borders, and maybe you, you can you can count out also other 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 factors. But at the same time, uh, you know, still people are just changing the mindset and they are thinking, okay, maybe I will just buy the property. Just allocate my capital, and even if I don't have, uh, you know, high enough yields, then you know at least you know there's going to pr be price appreciation and the security, and then still you know the, the the students are going to come back to the university someday, and then the yields will will would maybe go up again. So, so I, I think there's lots of factors that you need to. Uh, it's difficult to understand which is more more important than the other than the other, um, and um, we. We learned. I'm, you know, I'm pretty new to the real estate market. Also, like I've been, you know, working here only a few years. I'm not doing that for my whole life. So, so I'm also learning, and I'm, I'm kind of, um, um, you know, honest with, with saying that. Uh, but unless the central banks uh, change their policy in terms of the inflation and the interests, uh, um, there's like any any other factors that you know it's difficult to to say right now. Um, I don't think that there's gonna be a major change in the direction of the uh, of the of the prices in the real estate markets. Hmm. Okay, well, so I need to be quick then. I need to be quick. <laughs> I, I would say that <laughs> you should not uh, use the emotions, uh, right, to, to 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 make the decisions and and, and to rush. I, I think that yeah. they, you know rushing is always a, a bad advisor. You just need to do that carefully. But right now we can see that buying a property. Got more difficult, you know. Some of the sellers are changing their mind. They're, they're like, you know, even if you agreed uh, initially on the, the terms with them, they, they might one day tell you, "Hey, I just changed my mind. I'm not selling this property at all." You know, it happens. So uh, you need to be prepared for that okay, as well. Brilliant. Closing question, Mateusz. And I ask this question to pretty much all guests because it's uh, very interesting to me. What did you learn recently that helps you do your job better? Something tangible, maybe one or two points. Well, um, so I think that, you know, one, one thing is that, that um, the whole pandemic's uh, work style uh, changed us to work um, predominantly remotely. And that's more uh, flexible, and uh, it helps us to, to realize that some of the physical meetings are not necessary, so we can, you know, skip the the hard the, the hustle and be more efficient, etc. But on the other hand, um, there's uh, this um, emotional layer, um, and uh, the aspect of culture, and then the meaning of what we are doing, why we are doing, what we want to accomplish, and who are we working with, and, and you know, the, 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 whole, the whole emotional connection, you, you just need to rethink the, the process and then and how you uh, approach this. I, I mean, you know, like you, you just need to 
find another way to build the emotional um, connection within the organization and make sure that we are going in the same direction and that we know that we are a team and uh, yeah that's that's i think that that's the the the, the one thing yeah and the, and the second thing um that uh, that I, I would tell is that uh, basically the macro emotions that you know the the world is falling and there's going to be the disaster or that it's going to be great forever etc it doesn't last forever so we need to be um cautious and and and, and make sure that you, you you go through this you know cycles of hyper emotions and if there's a shake-up that's not a tragedy right you just need to adjust you just need to wait until the the shake-up is ending you know sometimes it can happen um uh, very long but looking at the you know the the reactions of our governments and central banks etc uh, you know people are saying lots of bad things about that but i think that they're they're, they're reacting quickly and kind of aggressively and and i think that it's it's it's, it's kind of process that um reconfirms itself that you know it's uh, the, the crisis won't last forever the obviously you know i'm lucky in the, to be in the in this industry that recovered quite quickly right i'm not in a, a restaurant industry which probably you know I, I would say different words being from that perspective but at least on the real estate you just needed to you know go for that prepare for the next stage and then uh, scale on a slightly different conditions and, and keep doing the, your job brilliant Mateusz, thank you very much for your time today. It was a real pleasure. Plenty of interesting insights. I, I'm I'm really uh, happy that you know we were able to talk. I feel lucky today. So thank you very much, and I keep my fingers crossed for you guys. Thank you so much, Daniel. The pleasure was mine. Brilliant. Thanks.